Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 38. I hope we're all having a fantastic day so far, whatever day of the week that we're listening to this, whatever time of the day that you're listening to. Just want to say a massive thank you to everyone for tuning in for, to this podcast episode and any episode in general as well. So this one's going to be a really important episode and I'm, I'm kind of doing this for for all the listeners as well, but also for my client base as well. I think giving them some specific tips and 10 tips in general to nail the, the recovery diet or the reverse diet, whatever that you'd like to call it, and giving some actionable steps to put into practice to make the job a lot easier. And I wanted to leave this a little while. I'm now eight weeks post-diet, post-shoe prep myself. And I wanted to run these like four to eight weeks usually is how long I would run recovery diets for. And until I was done that, I felt I really wanted to go through it myself to be able to give you some really good actionable steps that you guys can put into practice for your own recovery or reverse diet. So in terms of where you're at right now, that could be at the very end of a, an eight to 10 week dieting phase. That could be a 16 to 20 week dieting phase. It could be a photo shoot prep. It could be a, a show prep, whatever it is. It's going to be applicable to anyone who's just coming out of a dieting phase. But before we jump into that, a little bit of an update on me regarding training and my own improvement phase. So I would say now I'm about three to four weeks out, out of my recovery phase, really, really well, uh, well transitioned into my improvement phase. Loving training, sleep is good, recovery is good, stress levels low, business is excellent, enjoying my day-to-day -day life, energy is good, mood is good, everything is in a really, really good place. My hunger signaling is much less, so it's actually finding it hard to, to get down food now at this stage and making better, kind of easy, easier digestible options, not as many potatoes as I'm sure that a lot of you guys will have seen in my um, photo shoot prep and on my Instagram, I ate potatoes every single day. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Uh, in terms of the YouTube series as well, something that I really want to drive in the right direction this year and to give you guys more content, more actionable content for you guys, more actionable, actionable value as well, is going to be through my YouTube channel and my podcast. So if you guys haven't subscribed, please go onto YouTube, search Josh Cowan and it's going to be in there. My first episode is live or on the photo shoot prep and the kind of behind the scenes of that photo shoot prep itself. The second episode we recorded myself and Francis on last Tuesday on a pull session so running through the what what we're doing why we're doing it and how exactly that we're doing it as well to give you guys some like i said some value but also actually seeing it not only in theory not hearing it in theory but also seeing it in practice and me giving you some tips on how to execute movement patterns to give you the most so definitely go in and subscribe to the youtube channel please and very much so looking forward to releasing that content for you in around the next seven days Podcast-wise, um, I have sat down and said this is a big goal for me this year to increase the frequency of my podcast. I went a little bit, I think I said in the last couple of podcasts, um, a little bit of radio silence for me and just concentrating on business and prep, etc. However, I do want to give back to all of you guys and be more consistent with that. So I sat down last week or a couple of weeks ago and planned out the next three to four months of content for that. And I'm really, really looking forward to putting that into practice and giving you some really good value, value over 2022. I also really appreciate you guys sharing the podcast anytime I ever see it on the stories and anything like that or you sending it to any of your friends etc I do really appreciate that so please do keep sharing the podcast it allows me to reach more people help more lives and transform more physiques down the line so getting to our top 10 tips and this is going to be in I would say in order and more so into kind of timelines we're talking about here so the first and foremost thing I would like to do uh, directly after a recovery diet or directly after a dieting phase, the first thing I would advise doing 
is immediately setting goals for the next phase ahead. Okay, and I almost would say setting two or three phases ahead. So if we're coming out of a dieting phase, usually, and I would advise definitely doing this, is to move from a recovery phase into an improvement phase. Okay, so we're now setting the roadmap for the next maybe year, 18 months, two years. I want you to program how long we run an improvement phase for. If you're really, really lean, we should be able to spend seven, eight, nine, ten months in an improvement phase, okay, depending on body composition levels. And then after that, then what could we do after? You know, are you in the position or do you feel you'd be in this position to run a photo shoot prep, which will give you some massive goals then moving forward then into 2022? Or do you feel that you need a little bit more time, maybe run a, an eight-month improvement phase into a little tidier period, back into an improvement phase, and then into a photo shoot prep? So setting some goals in the phases ahead of you as well. The second thing that I would like to do in these goals for the off season with the improvement phase ahead is going to be lifts, you know, get setting some performance goals. I'm sure you guys will have heard me talk about this a lot. I require every single 12 weeks or every 12 weeks that clients revisit performance goals so that we set five lifts every single th every three months that we want to try and chase. And that could be an RDL, 80 kilos for eight reps, a bench press, 100 kilos for, for six reps, a, a barbell squat for 40 kilos for eight reps. Whatever it is and whatever stage of, the, um, of development that you're at, set five big performance goals for the year, or excuse me, for the next three months to try and chase, revisit them in three months time and then set some new ones as well. The other one to, to do is maybe body weight, and this can be a little bit hit or miss. In terms of for the off season going forward for you, trying to keep it in mind that the next time you diet down, you want to make your job a little bit easier. Okay, so looking at somewhere kind of, let's say for instance, let's use even, even an example here. If we are maybe 60 kilos, okay, and we dieted down to 60 kilos, let's even make, let's say 70 kilos. I'm sure that's kind of an in-between number for a lot of people, okay? If we dieted down to 70 kilos, trying to look at the, the next improvement phase for the next seven, eight, nine months, I would look to be trying to add anywhere between 10 to 15% of body weight in that period of time, okay? That might be anywhere between... 77 and seven and 80.5 kilos so in around that sweet spot it keeps you a little bit more accountable that if you start to see scale rise up a little bit aggressively and we hit 73 74 in that first month or in that first couple of weeks we know we need to be a little bit more accurate and slow slow things down a little bit so phases setting up the phases in front of you also setting up the goals of the phases as well and also then performance and body weight goals uh goals ahead of you as well Okay, so goal setting first and foremost. The second thing that I advise and probably the most important thing for me regarding the reverse diet itself is routine. Okay, keeping routine all the time and all the way through. We think that it's just going to be an off and on switch where like when you walk into a room and flick on and off a light. We need to have all variables the same. You're coming from a period of incredibly high discipline. Your routine is nailed in. It's the same sleep sleep times. It's the same wake times. We have the same morning routines. We have the same evening routines, the same meals at the same times, etc. If we don't have that, you're going to find it incredibly hard to adhere to any plan whatsoever. So my advice to you would be to keep exactly the same routine for the next, ideally the whole off season, okay, the whole improvement phase, especially over the next four to eight weeks. The same wake times, the same meal times, the same routines in the morning, the same routines in the evening. When are you going for your steps in the morning? When are you going for your steps in the evening? How long are those walks? When do you do your cardio? What time do you train at? All of these variables, the more robotic you can be, the much easier this this recovery phase is going to be for you.
Number three, off-plan meals. <clears throat> so I did a podcast on off-plan meals recently. So I'd definitely like you to try and listen to that as well if you haven't uh, about selecting off-plan meals and how to go about the day leading up to off-plan meals itself. However, at the, when we finish a photoshoot prep, when we finish a dieting phase, uh, especially with something like a photo shoot prep, when I think a lot of people know know about it a bit more, and it's being a specific date, it's on the the tenth of February at nine a.m. We just feel that after that, people are because we've been so disciplined and because we've had to say no to a few things, and maybe we haven't gone out for drinks with our friends for a long period of time, and all the kind of things, and the the, the minor sacrifice we have to make to present the best image on the day or the best physique on the day. So when you're done, you'll have everyone, every single person that you you know, pulling out, let's go for drinks here. Let's go for a meal out here. Let's order in food here. Let's do this and go for breakfast here. And let's do this on, on Tuesday. And you might find that like for the whole week, two, three weeks, you have five or six social outings across the week. And first of all, you're going to probably be somewhat fatigued. So you're going to get probably run down and tired and your training performance is not going to be there. But also from a body image perspective, that is never going to be in line with our goals for this recovery phase. And if we're having four or five off-plan meals a week, it's going to massively negatively affect your body composition. And when you start to see that in the mirror and us to look much waterier and and us to look like we're gaining a lot of body fat quickly, it it just doesn't sit right with us. It messes with our head a lot from a psychological perspective. So my advice to you would just be to pick one or two off-plan meals for the week. Let's say your group of friends, if it's the girls at home or if it's the guys or whatever it is, um, you can sit down and say, okay, let's go out for uh, Nando's and let's go out for a couple of beers on, on Saturday evening. Great. Okay. If someone's asking you to do something on Friday, Sunday and Monday and stuff like that, just say, have a couple of things on over the weekend. How about the following weekend then as well? Okay. So it just pushes it out a little bit. But if you're doing two, three, four, not even two, but maybe three, four, five, six times a week, you know, lots and loads of social events, I can guarantee you this recovery phase is not going to go well and you're going to put yourself into an awful position from a body image perspective and also an awful position to give yourself runway in this improvement phase. And you'll find in four or five months down the line, you're going to have to turn it right back around and do a diet because we didn't nail this time period. It's incredibly important to nail this time period and anything that's going to take away from it, we want to try and minimize. But also, I completely understand and appreciate, and I won't sit here and say I never went for any off-plan meals, but I was careful and selective with what I did, and when I, when I could be good, I was absolutely perfect. Day in, day out, Monday to Friday, there wasn't a calorie or macronutrient out of line. At the weekend on a Saturday, went out for dinner with Gigi, I went, went for a bit of food with my friends, something like that, kept it to one or two off-plan meals, not off-plan days as well, and ate very, very cleverly around that. Number four, a large increase to start off our, our reverse diet, excuse me, recovery diet. And what I was going to say there is there's a difference between a reverse diet and a recovery diet. And for me, a reverse diet is simply, and this is something I used to program all the time back in the day and probably didn't see the effectiveness of it, didn't see it was very, very efficient in, in its manner. So a recovery diet is going to be a more aggressive movement away from a dieting phase to try and get herself, get a little bit of body fat back on our frame, get us into a healthier place, get us into a place with higher energy availability, get us into a place where everything starts to move better from a hormonal and metabolic rate as well. A, a reverse diet is much, much slower in nature. You're trying to almost find the least amount of food for you to start to slowly gain weight in a really minute uh, manner 
and a very, very slow and steady approach that almost keeps you in a diet for a little bit longer period or really doesn't move you out of a diet for a long period of time. So something like a, a reverse diet might be something like 100 calories a day, 25 grams of carbs, where a recovery diet, and I know a lot of the guys and girls who will be listening to this are going to be my clients, you guys will have seen that I move 100 grams of carbs, 150 grams of carbs, carbs potentially, and that could be 400 to uh, 600 grams of car, excuse me, 400 to 600 calories in total. So imagine we were dieting on, you know, let's say 1800 calories. Okay, I would move that immediately to probably 2200 or 2400 calories, getting us far away from a deficit past maintenance into a surplus of calories again. It's not incredibly aggressive, but what I'll usually see if, if we've just finished a 16 week photo shoot prep diet, let's say for instance, okay. And I'd say, okay, we finished up on, on 1,600 calories for, for a female or, or for a male in general. Let's just say, for, for instance, let's say 1,600 calories. If I say to you, okay, Josh, you can only have 1,700 calories for this next week, it's barely any difference. However, if I say, Josh, you can have 2,100 calories, it really moves the, the goalposts a bit for us. What I'll usually see with that is six days, okay, at eating 100 calories above where we were before, so 600 calories, and then a, I hate the word, but maybe binge episode of 3,000 calories above. Domino's, Ben and Jerry's, pints, you know, Mars bars, whatever it is, chips in the, after the night out, and that equates to 3,600 calories, or sometimes even more, if that binge happens maybe two nights. But let's just say 3,600 calories by doing so, okay? That's usually the case. Or the other option is to move 400 calories, so 100 grams of carbs above where we are now at the moment, times seven days is 2,800 calories. So that's 800 calories less than 3,600. And I can guarantee you that you, that the client or, or yourself will always feel much better and more accomplished across the week by executing the plan at 400 calories by seven, then six days at 100 and a binge episode at 3,000 calories. So we're moving the goalposts away from dieting straight off the bat and a large enough food increase for that to happen and not just staying around the diet and trying to stay as lean as we possibly can because the leaner you are, the more unhealthy it is, the more unproductive it is. So moving away from that is very beneficial. So like I said, a larger food increase um, and using that food as fuel for performance in the gym and adherence to the plan rather than trying to keep food as low as you can and end up binging one or two days a week, 3,000 plus. If you did that two times a week, that would be um, 6,500 calories over what you did previously, rather than if we did maybe four, five, 600 calories above, that would be much more, a much lower number on average per week. Number five, keep eating like you're dieting. Okay, and it's gonna sound really funny, but again, like I said, you can't just flip the switch regarding hunger signaling. Actually, what will probably happen is that when you're finishing your diet, the last two weeks of your diet, you'll probably be less hungry than two weeks after your diet. And what happens from a hormonal perspective and a hunger signaling perspective is ghrelin, the hung hunger hormone, will shoot up as we start to increase increase food, okay? And ghrelin, I always like to think of, is knocking at the door the whole time and trying to make you give in to your, to your hunger signaling. So if we're going and thinking, oh, well, I've just finished my diet now, I've, imagine you only increase by four or 500 calories here. Now it can have Cocoa Pops. Now it can have bagels. Now it can have jam, honey, um, squares bars, cornflakes, whatever it is, jasmine rice. That is not going to sit well when you've just spent, you know, weeks and weeks eating oats, sweet potato, potato, lots of high fiber foods, etc., etc. 
So my advice to you is just keep eating like you're dieting for the next four to six weeks. After this four to six week period, hunger signaling will start to reduce, okay? Anecdotally, that will always happen. But over this period of time, you will have very, very high hunger. So how to do so? First and foremost, intermittent fast. On a non-training day, try fast a little bit, get your steps and maybe some cardio in early, etc. If you were doing, do you know, uh, morning cardio for, for your dieting phase, keep that in and keep all your routine the same, okay? The second thing would be protein intake. Protein is going to be the highest satiety macronutrient. So just because we're dieting, we don't drop that number through the floor. We make sure we hit our protein intake with high satiety protein sources and high bioavailable protein sources, excuse me, through meat, fish, eggs, etc., or some soy and any vegetable options as well fiber high fiber foods of course is going to be very beneficial so lots and lots of variety of fruit and veg as well in there high satiety carbohydrate intake so not like i said not eating jam i'd much rather eat 400 calories worth of potatoes as discussed earlier rather than 400 calories worth of jam because that's going to create much more satiety um, from a digestion perspective also, fat intake is going to slow down digestion. So if you find that your fat intake is at 20, 30 grams and you're just trying to ramp up carbohydrates, sometimes you don't even feel full. No matter if I ate 700 grams of potatoes, but I didn't have any dietary fat in that meal, I might not even feel full after. So have a little bit of fat, dietary fat in with each meal. And the last one is the time you're taking to eat the meal. There's so much literature and research out there that says the longer you take to eat your meal, the more satiated you will be and the less calories you will need for that day, okay? So if you have a, an individual that we specifically, uh, if you clone two individuals even, excuse me, and you said that if that person ate meals for 10 minutes a day and had to have all meals done in 10 minutes or the other person had to take at least 20 minutes for each meal, the satiation from each meal or the satiety from each meal is much, much more with the 20-minute meal. So take your time, enjoy the meal, be mindful with that meal. Don't just scoff it down because we're in this improvement phase now. Number six, I think we've touched on it a little bit earlier, but don't demonize overeating, okay? If we go over food, again, this is a really tricky time. If you guys don't have much experience in this, in, in controlling hunger signaling, it's going to be a tough time for all. And we and I think it's important to almost manage expectations and say, it is not going to be perfect. And I won't say that my reverse or recovery diet was perfect at all, okay? But I've done this a million and one times, and I'm sure that you guys probably haven't done it as many times as myself. So don't demonize overeating, okay? Try to look at it with a positive mindset. I look at overeating and say... If a couple of my, a couple of clients who've done a photo shoot prep and say, God, Joshua went, you know, 600 calories over, usually, okay, great. How good is your performance in the gym going to be the next day? How much are you getting, or how close are you getting to your, your performance goal PB? You know, how good was your energy throughout the day and your mood the next day and your sleep the next day? All the positives that come with, with higher food, the one negative with that is just going to be calories are a little bit higher. So try and flip your mindset into this. However, we don't want to have that happen all the time. And if you find that this is happening two, three, four times a week, it's probably a good indication that that food level that you're trying to hit is unsustainable for you right now, okay? So if you've gone to 200 calories over from 1,500 to 1,700 and you find that you're binging at, you know, or I hate that word, but maybe overeating at, at 2,400 calories every day because you simply can't keep food down, why don't we just move that food up a little bit higher? Maybe move food up to 2,100 calories, okay? Which is much easier for you to achieve 
but it's less food than what you're doing when you're actually binging, okay? So try and meet meet yourself or meet your clients in the middle if there are, are any coaches listen to this and push food up to something that's sustainable and actually adherable. Again, there's no point in having 1,600 calories written down the plan if you or your clients are actually doing 2,700 calories. What about meeting in the middle at 2,000 calories? That's a much more sustainable approach and will actually give you Uh, the feeling of accomplishment as well after the day has gone because what the worst thing can be is that you're feeling guilty because you're overeating that's the worst thing we can have in in this time period okay so don't demonize overeating it's very very common flip the mindset to look at the performance benefits to that but also push food up to a sustainable and adherable target Seven, being open and honest with your coach. I am hounding (laughs) clients especially photo shoot clients post diet day to day, week to week. And there's one client that comes to mind where we touch base, I would say almost probably every day for a month prior to the shoot and probably close to every day after for a month after their shoot as well, okay? And the reason for that was because I knew they were struggling a little bit. I knew they needed me. I I knew they needed my help. So them being open and honest saying, Josh, like I actually did it happened again. Do you know, I, I just completely lost the run of myself. I overate by 700 calories. I feel awful. Okay, listen, don't worry about that t- today. And um, let's try and put a more sustainable plan in place and try to meet them where they're at or try and meet yourself where it's at. If you have a coach, be open and honest with them. They're never going to bite your head. Well, they shouldn't be biting your head off. It's all about the trust. It's all about communication. It's all about creating the plan, the roadmap together as a team. So we have touched on, that's a lot of the food stuff that we'll touch on, okay? The second thing is going to be on training. Now, actually, I will put in one before this and I'll come back. It just runs a little bit better. Number, number. this is going to be number eight, is proving it to yourself, okay? And what I want you to do, and I've, I've talked about this actually in a previous podcast, I can't remember the exact one, but going out to dinner, okay, and proving it to yourself that you can leave a couple of bites on the plate, Okay, when you're having these off-plan meals, and again, I think I've touched on this in the podcast, it might be the off-plan meal itself, especially when you're done prep. Sometimes when you're in in a meal, you are so unmindful what's going on or mindless with your eating that your head is in the plate. You're just grabbing everything and anything in front of you. You're not even talking to the people in front of you. Just so food focused at that period of time, which I would like to reiterate is completely natural, okay? We wanna be really mindful with our meals. We wanna take our time, have the 750 mils of water beside you at all time, volumize your meal, have a salad with your meal as well. Put the fork down, talk to the person in front of you, be mindful, enjoy the food. The most important thing about the off-plan meals or meals after prep is the people you're with, the experience. The food is is last 20, 15 minutes. The memories that you make in that and the time and the enjoyment last a lifetime, okay? So the one thing I wanted to touch on here is proving it to yourself in the meal that you are in control. The way I did that, and I only came up with this, or not came up with this, but found it was really useful for me, was in my off-plan meal directly. The day I finished my shoot was on a Monday. Myself and Gigi went out for dinner and we went across the road and got this meal and it was absolutely ginormous. And usually I would say there's no problem with me eating that. But I got to stage the end of my meal where actually it was mindful enough for me to say, I, I don't even really need the last bit of that. And albeit that I wanted to eat it, I looked at it and there was about you know three or four chips left on my plate and a little bit of, I had a chicken parma, which was delicious by the way but there was a a corner of it left, a couple of bites. And I said, I actually don't even need that. 
And I was kind of to and fro should I eat it, should I not eat it? And I said, let me leave it. And I felt so in control of myself, my body, my hunger signaling and my reactions, etc. I felt really, really good after that. So if you guys are finishing up a diet, the next time you go out to dinner, try and put that into practice and just show yourself you are in control. Your hunger signaling, your mind, because there's time periods previously where I've dieted way too aggressively. My hunger signaling is far, is completely out of whack and I'm not in control. I'm not even in the, I'm not a mindlessly eating. My head is in my plate. I'm scoffing anything and everything and I feel so sick after. This is something that we definitely don't want to do. Okay, so proving it to yourself. So you will see that a lot of that is going to be food related because I think that's eight out of, uh, other than the first one, so seven out of 10 tips are all around food, okay? And the reason for that is because this is gonna be the hardest part of uh, the recovery diet, is trying to adhere to the plan, trying to reduce hunger signaling, trying to stay busy, trying to keep your mindset focused on the goals at hand, rather than overeating. And it's really important to put all those into practice and do our absolute best, but always remember, we do not expect perfection, it's just trying to make conscious effort, a mindless effort, and be trying to be consistently good. So, number nine is gonna be slowly pulling down cardio, as we increase food, okay? And the the kind of analogy that I like to use here is when you're driving the car, bringing food up slowly but surely is like pressing the accelerator in. When you're uh, pulling down cardio is like when you're releasing the clutch from the car. You have to have those, if anyone drives a manual, you have to have those kind of working in unison together. You can't just keep the clutch down and push the foot, the foot in the accelerator or the rev will go up or you can't let out the clutch really aggressively and keep the foot on the accelerator or else it'll, the car will cut out. So you have to have them both kind of working in unison together. You're slowly releasing one while you're slowly pressing the other one in, okay? And what I like to do here regarding cardio is in the first week, let's say we had, so I'm gonna use a, an example here of let's say daily cardio for 30 minutes. Um, across the week, okay? Daily cardio, seven days a week at 30 minutes cardiovascular work, okay, on, on a STEM master, something like that. I would cut that in half for the first week. We don't wanna just shut it off completely. I wanna reduce it, but with an increase in food like that, we don't wanna just do, let's say a 500 calorie increase, 3,500 calories across the week. Let's say we're averaging 3,300 calories per session times seven is gonna be 28. That's, you know, the bones of, of 7,000 calories you're making in a surplus there. So we wanna slowly let cardio out and we want to slowly increase food up okay but not so slowly that it's 100 calories here and there i still think slowly means four five six hundred calories increase so cutting our cal our cardio in half is always something that i like to use so if you're doing seven days a week at uh, 30 minutes cardio uh, fast in the morning something like this or at any day period of time during the day I would just move that to either four cardio sessions or three cardio sessions a week. Or if the person in front of me or that I'm coaching enjoys the daily cardio, which I know a lot of people do, and is, is probably even more beneficial for keeping your routine in, especially if it's fasted cardio in the morning, just move it rather than 30 minutes, just move it to 15 minutes, okay? And you can slowly taper it down. That's another good point that the routine of having cardio in first thing in the morning, fasted in the morning is very beneficial for keeping the routine and structure to your day tight. As we said, you can slowly reduce that output and slowly increase the input. But I would like to think of in that night, in that first kind of four to six weeks, we'd probably pull cardio all the way down to one cardio session a week, 30 minutes maximum, okay? The last and final one is going to be to 
to look at the training volume that you're working with. So number 10 is going to be to start your training off at minimum effective volume. And the reason why I say that is because as you go through a dieting phase, I know a lot of the guys and girls who've run photo shoot preps with me who are listening to this or even dieting phases in general, I make volume changes, especially in the last kind of four to six weeks. When fatigue is high, the last thing we want to do or we can do is run three set, three working sets on a leg press, two RDLs, two sets of back squats, where we don't actually need that from a stimulus perspective. So usually we'll bring it down to maybe one working set on a lot of exercise in those last couple of weeks. When you change from a dieting phase to a recovery phase, you can't flip on. Like I think I've said this uh, analogy earlier, fatigue is like a light switch. It can, or isn't like a light switch. You can't flick it on, turn the light on, turn the light off. It's almost like a dimming switch where you can slowly dim it up and slowly dim it down. At the very end of your dieting phase, you are going to be dimming down the fatigue or dimming up the fatigue, excuse me. So we're getting more fatigued as we go through the process. You, can, you can't just go back to doubling your volume like that or else the fatigue, you're gonna even place more fatigue and stress back on the body. So my advice to you would be to start off your volume at very, very low volume and you can slowly titrate your volume up. You can add, as you go through the process, maybe adding in two, three working sets each week and being clever with which sets you added in. I would much rather, first and foremost, add in sets to isolations. So on a lower body day, adding in an extra set to your leg extension, adductor, hamstring curl, calf raise, leg press, rather than a, an RDL, barbell back squat, barbell split squat, walking lunges. Those are gonna be much more fatiguing. So start your volume off nice and low, and then you can slowly titrate that up as you go through the process, because we have to remember more load on the body will equal more stress on the body. And with the extra food, you're probably gonna to start to lift a lot more anyway. This is gonna cause more stress in the body, which can actually cause a negative effect. So be nice and slow, careful and strategic with your volume increases. So that is going to be my 10 top tips to a recovery diet, to nail your re recovery diet. And hopefully you guys have taken some value from it. Hopefully you can implement and use these steps and action these steps into your own day-to-day -day life, especially when you have actually finished a dieting phase. The last thing I want to touch on is the 16-week premium photo shoot prep is now open for entries. This is going to be a 16-week photo shoot prep program that I'm going to run. This comes with specialization training and nutrition plans. It comes with our weekly check-ins, onboarding videos, video exercise library, and anything and everything that you can possibly think of. Direct access to me, a complimentary Team JCC athlete hoodie, Everything and anything is all going to be in here. There's plenty of inquiries and some signups as, as early as today. So there are two slots available currently right now um, for the program itself. I'm only taking on an additional four to the already uh, number of photo shoot preps that I'm running now at the moment. If you are interested in this, please drop me a message on Instagram or simply hit the link in the description of the podcast. You can bring yourself to the apply to coaching page and you can actually select, I would like, uh, what we can help you with is gonna be a photo shoot prep itself. You can then book in your free results roadmap call with myself to jump on to discuss where you're at right now, where we wanna try and get to body composition wise and how can we set the roadmap for success to achieve it. So that's it in a nutshell, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. As always, please, of course, keep sharing the podcast as well. And other than that, we'll catch you in the next one.